You're the breath of life. You bring eternal salvation. And you have a home waiting for us. So many reasons to praise your name. So thank you, Lord. Lord God, we come to you and we just, first of all, want to repent if there's things in our hearts and our lives that we carried this week that we should not have. This morning we want to come clean with you. Jesus, we repent because you're our Savior and we need, we need salvation and we need to repent every day. God, I know I do. So thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus, and the blood that was shed so that I can be forgiven and have life. And thank you that when he left, he's coming back one day, that he left the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I need every day to walk through this life that we have here on earth. Because I can get upset and angry and I need your power to overcome the darkness, to overcome the temptations, and to live a right life before you. So create in me a clean heart with the power of your Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been walking the Holy Spirit, just simply say, Holy Spirit, come fill me. Go overflowing. I want to be baptized in your spirit. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for being our Father this morning. In Jesus' name. Lord, as I look at our country, it's divided. But you bring unity. But you tell us also that a father will be against son and daughter against mother and so forth. And we know that's just the society that we live in. But I pray for the peace of Israel. And I pray for America, our country. God, the things that are being taught in the schools are abomination to who you are and who we are in you. God, would it be a miracle for prayer to be back in school? We pray for that. Would it be a miracle to see our country united? We pray for that. Would it be a miracle, Lord God, to see something in a strong and mighty way revival that's happening in our community, in our city, in our state, and in our country, and in the world? We ask that, Jesus. Lord, I pray too today for those who are struggling, whatever, whatever it might be, that there would be deliverance today. Deliverance. And if you're here for the very first time as a visitor, we say welcome. And we ask that you would feel at home more than anything, that you would open your heart to, to Jesus. What do you do? And then, Lord, I pray for Dave and Matt and John there. Um, winding down their, their, their trip in uh, Italy and Africa. We just pray for safety for them and they would come back uh, renewed and uh, they would have a vision for missions for our church that we would be able to impact the nations for you. The nations for you. So we love you and we thank you for this time and praise and worship. And we give you thanks again in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, it's the lights are being turned up. You get to see, look at how someone looks, and you get that right now. I'm going to ask that you take some time and meet a couple new people. Give them a handshake. I don't know. It's not working yet. Put the message on the desktop. Can I unplug this and plug it back in? As long as that's the only one. Okay, it's connected. Yeah. It's connected. It's just not moving yet. 
I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward as we prepare for the offering. You know, we cannot give yeah, like God the dense suffering yeah. in any area of our lives. But we have the opportunity that we have every Sunday to give our first fruit, our tithes, and our alms, and our missions uh, to the Lord. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do it with a grateful heart, with a heart that, um, as God said, He loves a joyful giver. And that's what we want to be as Hillside, so we can further the gospel as I was praying. Um, that the mission, not just in our community, but that we impact the entire world. So let's pray for the offering, and then I'm going to have Karen coming up, and she's going to give us the announcements. Lord, thank you that we can give every Sunday something of our finances to you. And you tell us to give the, the tithe, bring it into the storehouse. And that's what we want to do joyfully. So this, this Sunday in December, uh, may we have hearts, may we be cheerful, may we give our first fruit to you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I get to share some announcements and if you did not get a program and you would love one, make sure you tell one of the ushers and they will bring one back to you if you'd like. There's even a spot for notes on the back, but grab one because it's filled with great details and as we come into Christmas, I think of this being a season of giving. And one of the great ways that I've been involved every month here is with Rhonda Kill and the group that, that ministers at the Wichita Family Center. So that is always the third Friday. The details are in here. It's the 20th. And what I understand is we will be doing an amazing ham dinner. And we can always use help. And by, by saying we will be doing a ham dinner, that is not me. 
but um, they don't ask me, oh, there's Rhonda, they don't ask me back there, they don't ask me to always help in the kitchen, but if you might think, gosh, I'm not really good at doing kitchen stuff, and that's okay, you can come and help me. We set up tables and chairs, and we, we invite people from the Milwaukee area as well as from all over to come join us for a wonderful evening of, of fellowship, and they get to hear a little bit about the word. I heard Santa's going to be there giving out gifts. So it's just an exciting time to get to touch families in ways that we don't always get to. So you can come as early as 3 in the afternoon even, or come a little later, but dinner is at 6. Also, Christmas Eve is on a Tuesday this year, and we will all be celebrating, but don't come here. Go to the Gladstone campus for a Christmas Eve service, and put that on your calendars already so that we can celebrate together and invite a friend to come along with you. It will just be a great evening together with our church family celebrating Christ's birth. Amen. And I think I could see you baking a ham. I think she would probably make a nice ham. Well, hey, Pastor Dave, as I shared, as I was praying, Pastor Dave, Pastor Matt, and John, the trio, they are out of the country. And I'm sure Kim will be happy when they're back. Or maybe she says take another couple weeks. So we don't know. Um, but hey, this morning we are blessed. I'm not preaching this morning. We do have Russ Taparo, who I'm gonna, he's the executive director for Adult uh, Teen, that's right, Challenge for Portland. And he's here with um, quite a few people as well. So he's gonna come. Is your wife Jennifer is she here? She's not here. Also, I wanted to mention, uh, you probably, uh, I'm not going to have Chris and Lindy stand up, but they're part of our congregation, and Chris is the president and the CEO of the Pacific Northwest Adult and Teen Challenge, so, and his territory, I could get this wrong, is from Alaska, Washington, Idaho, and Montana, I almost forgot Montana, and Oregon, so, anyway. Brother, come on up. Uh, we're delighted to hear you. Thanks, so. Thank you, thank you. All right. Well, I can tell you one thing. Um, your Pastor Dave is uh, taller than I am. <laughs> so standing here, it's like I'm uh, at the kids' table, just looking over the top. I'll, I'll get my stuff laid out for you. Um, it is an absolute privilege, an uh, opportunity to be here with you this morning and share with you what God's doing in Teen Challenge, uh, Adult and Teen Challenge. We've added the adult to it because we have uh, mostly programs with adults in the program. So um, we're going to share the message uh, this morning. Uh, our guys are going to share some testimony. Uh, we've got a number of things to bring to you this morning. Well, one thing I wanted to make sure you know is our intent when we come to a church is to bring a message of hope. We know that when you're working and, and uh, living your life out uh, somewhere here in this area, uh, that the issue of drug addiction and alcoholism impacts your life one way or another. It might be in your own personal life. It might be in your home or maybe your, your family. Uh, it very likely is your work experience where you work and maybe your neighbors. But all of us have been impacted by drug addiction, alcoholism in some way. So there's no doubt about that. So one of the biggest questions that we get is, well, what do we do about it? You know, what, what can we do about it? And what we can do about it is to bring hope. 
bring hope to not only the people in our program, but their family uh, and you yourselves. Uh, my family has been affected by, by alcoholism and my, my wife's side of the family very specifically. And without Christ, there's no hope. And it was Christ that made the difference in my wife's family. One of the reasons why we felt so compelled when God called us to serve in Teen Challenge, Adult and Teen Challenge. This morning I do have a message I did want to point out. I do appreciate uh, Dennis uh, pointing out Chris and Lindy here. Uh, Chris and Lindy are uh, the president uh, and CEO of our region here, uh, but also uh, our very good friends. Uh, Jennifer and I, we've uh, known them for many, many years and uh, love them and uh, glad they're a part of this church family. If you don't know them, I encourage you to get to know them. And uh, also, we have some other guests here, which we didn't know were coming, but uh, where's Jim seated? Jim, there's Jim right back there. Jim Cottrell and uh, his wife is here at Freedom House. These guys are like brothers from another mother, amen? amen. All right, it's good to see you guys here this morning as well. We're going to have to keep talking and so good to have you guys here today. Um, and they're up uh, in Vancouver area. Absolutely. Well, uh, this morning um, we are going to uh, just walk through a little bit of understanding uh, what happens when God wakes us up or gives us that eye-opening experience. In the dictionary, uh, there's a word we don't use a lot of the time, but it's the word epiphany. If you've never had an epiphany, I like to use that word sometimes then to describe it really simply. It's when you have that, that aha moment or that eye-opening experience or like sometimes in the cartoons, a light bulb you know, goes off, right? It's like, oh, now I get it. Well, we had some, ex some situations in the scripture that I'm going to be referring to, where uh, some of the characters in the Bible had this, this experience. The one we're going to look at this morning is the character of Peter, the person of Peter, and we're going to see where he has this, this thing. Webster's Dictionary does define epiphany as an appearance or a manifestation, especially of a divine being. So one of the descriptions is this you know, and then, and then in December, we think about an epiphany experience that Mary had, that Joseph had, where an angelic presence appeared and had this experience of divinity. Well, today we're going to take a look at what happened when Peter um, started to understand more because God was revealing it to him. So the first thing we're going to look at is in Acts chapter 2. Peter is with everyone else. They were instructed to wait, to wait in this place together, and God was going to bless them. It's a place where they were together uh, celebrating a, uh, a time in Jewish history called Pentecost, and God showed up at this experience. He showed up in such a powerful way that all of those who believed in Christ had this experience of fullness of the Holy Spirit, and their experience was uncommon. They didn't, they didn't understand what was going on. They are like, what's happening? We're, we're, we're full of the Spirit. We, we, there, there's people speaking in a language that they didn't even know, and now we don't understand it. What are we supposed to do with this whole thing? Peter was there with them, a part of that whole experience when the Holy Spirit fell on the people. And amazingly, Peter, who's a fisherman, and really not a trained guy. He wasn't maybe one of the guys who would expect to, to start preaching. Gets up and just starts laying it out. And when he does, he tells them about why this would come and what they're to do. And so the, the final question was, 
in verses 37 to 39. It says, now when they heard this, all of this uh, preaching from Peter, they were cut to the heart. These are the, the, the people around them, they're in Jerusalem. So they say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, they said, brothers, what are we supposed to do about this? And Peter says to them, he tells them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he tells them that. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter tells them that. And then verse 39 is really interesting when you take a look at it. Because this is one of those times when and Peter was really common in doing this. He would speak before he thought, or maybe he really realized what he was saying, because he was kind of one of those mouth first, and then he, the brain kicked in afterward. Um, you'll, if you know Peter's story, yeah, you'll see that. He says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. So he's saying that this promise about when you repent, and you are baptized in the name of Christ, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And that's a promise. And that promise is for everyone. At least that's what he says in verse 39. And what I find is interesting there, he says it's for you and for your children, and all of them around him there, they would be Jewish people. They would be brothers and sisters in, uh, of Israel. And so they would, they would understand what he means by that. But then he did say, and all who are far off, everyone who the Lord God calls to himself. So it appears that Peter is preaching salvation through Christ and also the gift of the Holy Spirit. But in his words, it sounds like he's saying everyone. Because when you hear all or everyone, you see that in Scripture, it pretty much means everyone, right? So that's what he's saying. A few chapters later, after chapter 2, there's a number of events and things that happen. As this powerful spiritual experience just makes the church begin to explode. People are so excited about what this, this uh, the coming of the Messiah and the revelation of who God is and that now I can have a relationship with the Lord personally. They're going and they're telling their friends. They're traveling down the road. They're going everywhere they can go. The church is just by the natural experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. They're doing what they were called to do and that is to expand and go out and share the, the, the good news. So we come to a situation where the same character, Peter, has an eye-opening experience. In Acts chapter 10, so a few chapters later in the same book, in Acts chapter 10, we see a guy um, by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile, means he's not Jewish, but it does tell us that he's a believer. So he believes in this story of Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, that you need to believe in him to be saved. And Cornelius, who serves Rome, is a believer, so we assume he's Italian, and he's sitting here saying that God tells him to send for Peter. Bring him. So I identify with Cornelius a little bit. I like to say I'm Italian. <laughs> you ever done that 23 and me? Right? Some of you ever been disappointed by 23 and me? I don't know. My, family, my, my last name is Tapero, and it's an Italian name. I know it is because I kind of looked it up, and my grandfather was this uh, short little Italian guy. I mean, he was, I, you know, he looked like, you know, part of the mafia almost, but he was an Italian preacher. 
But we looked up our 23 and me on that side of the family, and it came back like a very fraction of us are Italian. It's like, what? How can that be? I don't know. I, I don't know how the thing works, but uh, maybe it was Northern Italy and that families all came from everywhere else. I don't know. But anyway, um, so I identified with this guy, Cornelius, and he's believing in God, and God tells him, send for Peter. Have him come to your place. So Peter is staying uh, in a place called Joppa with a guy named Simon. Simon is a tanner. That's what he does for a living. He tans hides. So Peter is staying with uh, Simon in Joppa. And Peter uh, is, is there ministering and whatever. And Cornelius says, please come to my house. Come to our house and share what God is doing. Because they've heard so many incredible things, right? In the meantime, as God has already spoken to Cornelius, God is working on Peter. How many times have you ever just kind of out of the blue, God just starts really telling you something. You're not sure what it's going to be for. You don't know exactly what your response should be. But God is speaking to you. If that's not been happening, then listen real closely. God the gentleman, his spirit speaks gently and guides us. So that's what's happening here. So Peter has an epiphany. He actually has a vision. He sees something, and it, and it really is confusing to him at first. In uh, verses 11 to 16, we see that Peter sees in his vision how the heavens open up. And something like a great sheet is descending down, like a, like a maybe all four corners are spread out, and it's coming down. And as it comes down, it's being led down by the four corners on the earth, and on it are all kinds of animals. They are different kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds of the air. And there comes a voice to him that says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So he's having a vision, but maybe he was a little hungry. I don't know about you, but... So the way I see this vision is I see that that, that sheep that's being let down, it's red and white checkered, it's going to be a picnic, you know, it's time for barbecue. Who likes barbecue? Anybody like barbecue? I like barbecue, right? So I'm thinking about barbecue right now, now that I said the word barbecue. So, so this sheep's being let down, and he sees the animals on the sheep, and maybe to you or I, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. We got to spend uh, some time yesterday at the, uh, the largest Christmas bazaar in the world. And uh, going around one of the corners, there was a display, and they had all these exotic meats, alligator and all this kind of other stuff, right? All these kind of crazy meats that aren't really normal, typical for around here. That's the kind of stuff that was on the sheep. It was laying down. It was non-typical uh, animals. But Peter's response is pretty normal for how you and I respond to, to the Lord. Peter says this. He says, by no means, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So just to give you just a, a little bit of backstory, Peter, being Jewish, knows that they have a very rigorous food menu that they have to stick to. Many times nowadays you call it kosher, but it's food that, that, that is acceptable and other food is not. And so the Jewish tradition of people would say, this group of food we can eat, especially when it comes to meat. And so there are certain kinds of animals they can eat. The sheep that was let down had all kinds of animals, including the ones on the no-go list, right? The no-fly list. Uh, birds and, and reptiles and things that they weren't supposed to eat. But the boy said, go ahead and eat it. 
So Peter, being a good Jewish young man, is saying, I can't do that. I, I've never done that. I'm not going to do that. And it says in verse 15, the voice came to him again a second time and said, what God has made clean, do not call common. So this happens three times. Now maybe, maybe I'm unique, I don't think so. I think many of us do this, that if God tells us something that kind of challenges the way we think about it, at first we're like resistant, like, ah, like I don't know. Maybe there's that person at work that he wants you to go and talk to and you're thinking, there is no way they would want to go to a Christmas bazaar or a, an event or come to a Bible study with me or just come over and have coffee. There's that person, maybe you already can see their face in your mind, you know their name, and there's no way. I, I couldn't go there because that's really not my role, or maybe it really wouldn't be, say, say kosher? I don't know. But let me, let me challenge you with this. Peter was in a certain mindset, and God is speaking to him. And God is saying, eat. He says, no, I won't do this. And then God says it again, no, I want you to eat. And Peter says, Actually, no thanks. I won't do it because I'm not supposed to. And God's kind of saying, I'm the one who tells you what you're supposed to. So I'm telling you now. Go ahead and eat. And he's like, no, that's okay. Thanks. So it says three times that Peter basically says the same thing. And God spoke to him through that voice. What God made clean, don't call it uncommon. You see, in this section here, we see that Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, is still being challenged about how he thinks and how he sees things. He grew up with a, a massive amount of tradition. Jewish people had such a serious tradition, they would stick to that, you know, regardless. I mean, that was one way of showing how, how faithful you were to God, was sticking to tradition. And what God is saying is, I'm the one who says what's clean and what is not. And I told you, rethink this thing. And he's having to rethink something pretty serious for him. If you, if you consider it just food, we'll see that it really wasn't about food. So then, let me ask you this question. How do you handle, how do you handle having to rethink things? To look at something that maybe was, you know, and I'll, I'll use this word, but, but sometimes it can be like the Jewish tradition, the word religion. Sometimes we do things in our religion or in our traditional we do at church just because we keep doing it. We just kept doing it because, well, maybe someone else did it. We just keep doing it. And by itself, it wasn't necessarily what God said. It was convenient or it worked for the time. You know, the fact that we use musical instruments in worship was uh, revolutionary not too long ago. But it was for worship, right? Have we... And are we potentially in a place where we really should be rethinking uh, some things about faith and about Christ and about who, who? And that's what we'll get to. So Peter agrees, uh, the, the young man uh, from Cornelius' house that's inviting Peter, um, Peter then starts to come. And Peter doesn't travel alone. Peter's got some guys with him, uh, travels with a, what's called an entourage, maybe, I don't know. But he's got some guys going with him. So they go over to where Cornelius lives and comes to the house. And it says when Peter, in verse 25, when Peter entered the house, Cornelius meets him. And it says that Cornelius fell down at his feet and started to worship him. So Peter, like, like gets him up off of his feet, saying, hey, come on, stand up. I'm, I'm just a man. I too am just a man. I mean, that, 
Thanks, Victor. Come on. Let's stand up. And as he's talking with him, he's stepping in the house. And it says he found many people gathered there. Sort of tells us as Cornelius knew he was coming. He knew this was an, a, a, a major event that he wanted as many people to be a part of. Not only probably his household, but people that maybe worked for him, because Cornelius was a leader, and he served Rome, and he brings people in, and there's this house full of people. As Peter steps in, he's kind of like, whoa, there's something going on here. Peter comes in, and as he sees all of the people, this is where we understand that Peter finally gets it. Verse 28. Peter says, and he says to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. Again, going back to tradition, it was unlawful for a Jewish person who's going to be strictly Jewish to not associate with, go into the household of, because their house may not be kosher. It may not be set up to honor God with all the laws and the rules and the restrictions, so they wouldn't even go. Peter steps in the house and says, you know that that's where we come from. He says, you know how unlawful it is, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Right there in that verse, we see that Peter finally gets it. He understands it wasn't about the barbecue, it wasn't about the, you know, the, the, the reptiles and the other food and, oh, we could eat that kind of food now. It wasn't about the food at all. He says, now I see that what God was telling me is that I shouldn't call any person common or unclean. He makes that association. He realizes this is about people. He's in the house of a Gentile. My, my assumption would be the whole house is a full of, of Gentiles. Probably all a bunch of Italians. They're all there making spaghetti ready to have a meal, right? So, so, he says, now I get it. He says, so, when I was sent for, I came without objection. Because he started to understand, I can't call someone common or unclean that God has said is clean. I think there's a big uh, help for us in Scripture when we see that this was going on in the first century church. Literally the first century, like the first generation, the first group of churches, we're still trying to figure out who do we hang out with? Who can we actually still talk to? And he's being challenged, open yourself up and look. There are believers out there. There's people we can, so we can talk with, we can minister with together. In fact, we shouldn't call anyone common or unclean that God has called. And he recognizes that men and women are equal we need to recognize the same. The challenge, and I've got a little bit more we're going to be sharing this morning, is that God has called us to more than just attending church on Sunday, but to live our faith out every day where we go. And it would be a, a, a great representation of the body of Christ to be able to see people the way God sees them, and not from maybe some really strict standard that we have of our own. And we need to open our eyes up. Because I'll tell you, the church, with Jesus Christ, the church is going to be the ones that can help make the difference in our country by extending love and grace, by being the, the, by being the change agent of Jesus Christ in the community and in our culture. The love of Christ in us, if that's really expressed out from you, 
will make a difference in your community. It was happening in that first century church. It should be happening. I mean, we're almost literally 2,000 years later, right? So that should be happening. So I want to challenge us this morning in that way. This morning, uh, there's a couple more things we're going to take a look at. But with Teen Challenge being here, and Pastor Dave said that this would be fine for us to communicate with you, is uh, Teen Challenge is a great ministry that serves uh, serves a lot of people, men, adult men and women. Uh, here in uh, in this state, we have uh, men and women's programs around the Northwest, an adolescent girls program that we serve uh, young women in, uh, in near Boise and Napa, Idaho. We're regularly working on who we can serve. We see if we can serve young men by finding them a place around the country where they would be able to be in a program like Teen Challenge. But I can tell you something. Just a few months ago, as I was serving the Lord in ministry, God really challenged me to look at, should I be directing again? My Jennifer and I directed up in Spokane for about 10 years. And we needed a director in, in Portland area, our Portland campus. Our director, Terry, a friend of mine, I felt like it was time to resign. We were looking for that and said, Lord, what would you have? And God said, I want you. So we took the role and we're serving uh, here at the Portland campus. And I'll tell you something, there's power in prayer. Because our program, we, we had about 12 guys in uh, April in our program. And we were saying, God, what would you have us do? And the first thing was, you got to fill this house. We're in Estacada, that's where our campus is, and in Estacada we have a, a facility that has 40 beds that we can have. And I felt like, Lord, what was the best thing we can do first? And he's praying the house, fill the house up. And at 12 students, I took the 12 guys we had and said, guys, each one of them has a room with a, a couple other beds in there with them. And I said, if you've got an empty bed in your, in your room, lay your hands on that bed and pray. Pray that God will fill that bed. And then, when that student comes, tell me an answer to prayer. Can you imagine being completely lost in your, in your mind and in the world? What am I to do? And someone tells you you're an answer to prayer. Not the need for prayer, but yes, the answer for prayer. And so we started doing that. So just as a demonstration to, to show you our program, fellas, would you guys stand? This is the Teen Challenge Campus of Portland Minnesota. staff and the Lord's blessing it, but there are so many people that need help. We just got to pray them in. Pray them into the place where they will commit themselves to something like Teen Challenge, which is a year-long program. It's a significant commitment. We just completed one of our students last night from, from out of California. His name is Matt. Great guy. He's actually going to stick around and do phase five. And Matt's parents came up from California, and they were just so pleased to see their son in such a good place. And he finished just last night. Um, we have a video that uh, I want to uh, have a chance for you to see. I don't know if we need to dim lights or anything. Maybe it's you or don't. Okay. Uh, and so they're preparing the back. This is our student sponsorship video I'd like for you to see. The Northwest Adult is a faith-based drug and alcohol recovery program with the power to change lives. When I was a teenager, uh, I was rebellious and started using drugs experimentally which ultimately led to a 13-year addiction to opiates. After countless tries to quit on my own and get my life back, I decided to enroll myself into Adult Teen Challenge in Portland. I've learned that God forgives us no matter what. He has amazing grace, 
and ultimately he forgives you for everything. I now have high hopes for my future, I have my life back, and a great career opportunity ahead of me. Graduating from Adult and Teen Challenge is not an easy accomplishment. This is a life-changing discipleship program. Our students are faced with spiritual battles on a daily basis, and every encouragement makes a difference. We want to invite you to be a part of their success. We want to invite you to become a student sponsor. When you sponsor a student at a Golden Teen Challenge, you're partnering with an individual who's becoming a new creation. When you sign up, we will assign you to one of our students and send you a photo and profile of the student that you will be sponsoring. Every few months, you will receive an update about your student's progress, so you can continue to pray for them and see that beyond your financial support, you are helping to change their life. You'll have opportunities to meet and encourage your student at Adult and Teen Challenge events. And when your student completes the program, you will receive a personal invitation to attend and celebrate at their completion ceremony. Most of all, we urge you to write and encourage your student. Your letters will remind them that someone cares and that their community supports them. Your prayers will help move the mountains in their path and help them stay focused on their journey towards freedom. Many students say that the letters and notes they received gave them hope and encouragement at just the right time. The first time I received a card from my sponsor was on the day that I was ready to give up and quit the program. Reading that card gave me the encouragement I needed to stay in the program and keep going. Knowing that people were out there praying for me, besides just my family, gave me the encouragement to press on. The cost to provide housing, counseling, and other recovery services to a student in our program is over $2,500 each month. Most students could never afford to pay that out of pocket. So our ministry is supported by gifts from friends and family, our vocational training programs, and the generous support of donors like you. For $35 per month, you can sponsor a student and your entire gift will help provide recovery services to your student. By committing just $35 a month, you can help to change the life and future of a Teen Challenge student. To become a student sponsor, simply fill out a sign-up form or give us a call to start supporting a student at your local Adult and Teen Challenge campus today. This morning, um, we have a, a table out in the foyer that afterward, after service, we'll have some guys there that can help you if you'd like to become a student sponsor. My wife and I, are also student sponsors. We sponsor three students. You get a reminder every two months about your student and how they're doing the program, the things they're praying about, and it's a great way to stay connected to what's happening in our program. I'd encourage you to think about being a part of sponsorship because you know there's there's nothing more awesome than seeing the progression of what a guy does. Last night at our event, we had two different families that came. They weren't related to Matt, but they were student sponsors. And they were invited through the sponsorship program. Hey, Matt's going to complete. Would you like to come to the service? And they were there just to tell them way to go. What an awesome thing to be a part of. So we want you to consider becoming a sponsor of a student. The other thing, and I didn't ask Pastor about it, but it's going to happen anyway. We've got Christmas trees that we are also, uh, Kitty Corner across the street right over there at the Foursquare Church parking lot, that's us. So if you don't have your Christmas tree yet, and you're thinking, I need a beautiful, sweet-smelling Christmas tree, We've got, uh, we also know that Santa will be there, just so you know. He makes a trip every, every, every once in a while, he's on the sidewalk, and he's, uh, 
He's a good dancer, by the way, from what I hear. Um, but uh, we'd love for you to just drop by and see our guys, and if you want to get a treat there, that'll help us out a lot. Um, the, uh, the next thing I'm going to have us do is uh, I'm going to invite a couple of our students up, because I want you to hear from them their own story, uh, in just a brief way, and what God's doing in their lives. So I'm going to ask if uh, Joseph and Anthony would come up. And I think I might be able to use yes. this one right here. Thumbs up. All right. Thumbs come on down. So, obviously your name is Anthony, it's written very nicely here uh, on your sticker. Um, Anthony, why don't you share with these fine folks, what was it that brought you to Teen Challenge? Um, well, I had an opiate and then eventually a heroin addiction in New Jersey three and a half years ago, which progressed there, and uh, I came to Portland to get away from all that, and then it redeveloped over time, and I knew I needed to do something like a, something more extreme rather than just trying to do it myself. So I, Came to Teen Challenge and now I'm doing it. Awesome. So, tell folks, uh, how long have you been in the program and what's it like during during your program? What is it that God is telling you right now? Well, I've been in the program just about nine months now and uh, I'm learning a lot of different things like uh, boundaries, patience, forbearance, and uh, uh, more importantly, though, like really what love is and uh, my identity in Christ and uh, that God really loves me. He's known me since before I was born and uh, that it just, the things he tells me to do and like the things that people call rules or whatever, like those are there because it's good, it's what's good for me and that's my identity in God and uh, he loves me and it's just, it's all a big thing that's together, you know, and just learning what it really means to be a child of God, basically. Awesome. So, um, so what do you see God uh, pointing you for in the future? You're in uh, nine months. You got a few months left to go. What's God saying to you about your future? Uh, well, I have a. I'm engaged to a girl, and uh, uh, <laughs> and we're gonna get married. Her maybe name is Sarah. Sarah. Okay. Yeah, right. Sarah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna get married, and uh, maybe you know, think about having a family, uh, get back to work. I'm excited to do that, and uh, but really live to uh, glorify God, because that's what's all about, you know. And Joseph, uh, why don't you share with these folks how long have you been in the program? Uh, I've been in the program for 11 months, or I'm in my 11th months. And what was it that brought you to Team Challenge? Um, so, um, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, both my families are, uh, my parents are deeply rooted in Christ, but at a young age, um, I kind of wanted to follow what the world uh, kind of defined as pleasure. And, um, you know, I rebelled at a really young age and, uh, you know, began smoking weed and drinking at a young age, like 12. But it was when I began to use prescription drugs around 14 and 15 that uh, my life took a really, it just started to go downhill. Um, prior to coming to Teen Challenge, um, I was suicidal, didn't love myself. Uh, I was miserable. And I was kind of thinking when I was sitting down, like, what do I want to talk about? And the thing that came up was hope. Like, I remember telling my dad, a day before I came here, I told him, like, I was hopeless, like, I, I don't care about my life, I don't care about my well-being, and um, I couldn't see success in my life whatsoever. Um, so, I was in the program last summer for about 90 days, um, I left the program, I went back to Seattle, which is where I'm from, when I was going to the University of Washington. I did good for about a quarter, and then I kind of fell back into my addiction, I stopped praying, I stopped doing my devotions, 
and uh, I was no longer putting God first. Um, and then I have now been back for about 11 months. I'm going to finish the program February 1st, and um, that's where I'm at now. So that's kind of what brought me here. It's like I didn't have the Lord in my life. Um, like I said, I was suicidal, multiple suicide attempts. Um, you know, I don't really deserve anything that God has given me now or what I have now, my family, um, the support I have. I have a very strong support system in my life, which I'm happy for. Um, I now love myself. I have hope for my future. Um, and I could never have done that for myself. I don't deserve it. Um, because like I said, I mean, I just didn't value my life anymore. So now I'm in a place where I can give hope to the newer guys in the program. Um, if you asked me where I would be at, if you asked me that, if you told me that I was going to be speaking in front of a church two years ago, I would have just would have laughed at you. And uh, it's only because Christ living in me and just his work in my life. So I'm really thankful. Joseph, what do you see God doing in your future here? Um, well, like I said, um, I'm going to be finishing the program in February, and um, I'm going to go back up to Seattle, um, obviously get plugged in with the church. I have a couple of churches in mind. Like I said, I'm lucky. I have a really good support system. I have a big family, my mom, my father, and my grandma, um, you know, uh, they, they support me so much. I mean, like, I'm a product of a praying family, which I'm thankful for. And um, I'm going to be doing this uh, year-long program. It's called Year Up. It's a uh, technology. Uh, basically, it's like a coding uh, program. And uh, after that, I'm going to be going back to University of Washington, finishing uh, school. That That's my plan. I mean, um, obviously, just pretty much to follow the Lord or whatever he asks for me. Because, um, you know, my best thinking is what got me here. So clearly, I can't do anything on my own without him. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Hey, man, what school is that again? University of Washington. All right, yeah. thank you very much. All right, here's guys. Yeah. Uh, be careful, because I have to hand this back over to Dennis after I'm done. So anyway, um, I'll tell you that it's a powerful thing when you have the opportunity to just be a part of seeing lives being transformed. Um, I've had opportunity, I told the, the people at the completion service last night, people sometimes ask you, maybe you're on a plane or you're standing in line somewhere, oh, so where do you live? What do you do? You know, and I you start telling them what you do. And when I start to explain what we get to see happen in a place like Teen Challenge, every person, doesn't matter their background, doesn't matter their faith, they're just like, that sounds so amazing. And I can tell you, it really is. And just as both of the gentlemen shared, the hope they have now uh, it is amazing that it, they, they, they actually have it. Uh, I know Joseph was saying he doesn't deserve it. The truth is none of us deserve it. Honestly, we really don't deserve anything that we have. It's all a gift, the gift of God, and, and uh, the hope we have is in Him. So that's why I love what we do, is that we share this gift with people that sometimes they grew up in a Christian home, and sometimes they have no clue. When they come, they still don't understand where the Bible came from, and, and what, what the Lord is, and who He is, and that he loves me, and so it's such a pleasure and a privilege to do. Um, when Peter, back to our story, when Peter is in this house, and he starts to realize all of these people are here, and I was invited here for something. It's in verse 34 and 35, we see that he says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. 
everyone. Dennis was just sharing about how our country is divided. Many times it's, it's uh, whether it's on the political side or, or where you come from or any of that, it, the truth is God said, God said, he is the unifying factor. God said in every nation, anyone who fears him is acceptable to him. And Peter makes that discovery that salvation is for all mankind. It's not just a certain group. It's for every one of us. Has God, I like to ask questions. I like to have us be challenged a little bit. So let me ask you this. Has God laid someone on your heart that you should be, in whatever way you're gifted to, be ministering to, talking with, inviting over for coffee, and just talking about what God's done in your life? You know, evangelism does not have to be this very formal, uh, strict uh, approach. It really is. The most powerful evangelism is personal evangelism. When you just talk to someone about the hope you have, the hope that these guys shared, it's that simple. And God has called all of us in some way to respond to him and to, to see others the way God sees them, that we might respond to that because all mankind has been invited as Peter is speaking, something really awesome happens. That same experience, that new experience that he and the disciples had and all those around them uh, at Pentecost in Jerusalem, that begins to happen to these Gentile believers in the house. So it says in verses 44 to 48 that while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter the guys that were his entourage, the guys traveling with him, it says that they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was being poured out even on the Gentiles. Imagine that. So the guys hanging out with Peter were also still kind of clinging to some of this concept that, well, maybe God or the power of God is only for a certain group, and the Lord is trying to just blow that up through the story of Peter for us even today, 2,000 years later. They were hearing them, experiencing the same thing they experienced, speaking in tongues, extolling God. And then Peter says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just like we did? So they commanded them to be baptized, and they invited them to stick around for a few days. That's kind of my paraphrase, but they invited them to stick around for a few days so we can just talk about it and understand what's going on. You see, the final lesson that Peter has, of the epiphany he had, was that certainly there's this powerful experience of God. He experienced it himself. But then he also really fully understand, understood his own words from back in chapter 2, that this was for all people. Really all people. And if that's the truth, and you and I have experienced here, if you've experienced salvation, the truth of your salvation, that is for you, is also for your neighbor, your co-worker, your employee, that brother-in-law that you can't stand, but you know he needs the Lord, right? Maybe even your mother-in-law, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yes, certainly for her too. God has that everyone would be saved, and he has challenged us, the church, to bring him that message and the message of hope. And we have a group of great guys working through recovery in their lives here in this room. Sometimes our society has looked at that group of people, men and women, as outcasts, as not redeemable, as many different 
ways you could put it. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. And I don't believe that. I believe that Jesus, if he changes and transforms life. Amen, brothers? Right? Amen, guys? Amen. Otherwise, why do we do what we do? Why would we claim hope in Christ if it's not for all? And so I want to challenge all of us this morning. God has come that we would be the church and we would be in our community and that we would express the same love of Christ, recognizing that it is Jesus who transforms. He transforms us. And it's not for me to say who is clean or unclean or common. Because God said, don't call them common when I call them clean. We have a little dramatic presentation that we want to show you about transformation. So fellas and sound system, go right ahead. Thank you. 
and you would say, yeah, Pastor Russ, uh, I, I know I need to commit to the Lord, would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me? I need that prayer today because I want to commit to Jesus. Is anybody here looking around the room? Yes. Are there any others? Just give you a chance. You're responding to the Lord, not to me. It's the Lord who died on the cross for you, came to save your soul, and he loves you today. Anybody else? And this morning, I do believe it's important for us to make commitments before the Lord. Is there someone here today that would say, Pastor Russ, I've been thinking about a person I need to go talk to. I'm going to commit this morning before the Lord and all of us that I feel like God's called me to go talk to someone. To no longer consider them as common or maybe unreachable or unclean, but that God's calling me to them as the church. If that's you this morning and you just want to make that commitment and say, yeah, Pastor Russ, I'm with you. I want to go do this. Slip your hand up and that's me. I'm going to go to someone. I know who they are and I know God's called me to them and I'm going to go to them. Amen. Lord, I do thank you this morning for being a God who loves us. We thank you for the person who responded and God, that your Holy Spirit, God, would show them they are saved. That, Lord, you died for them. And for us who have committed to say, God, show me who I go to, open that window, open that opportunity. Whether it be an invitation like Cornelius to bring us to their home or us bring them to ours or into our world, we pray that, God, you would flow through us by your Holy Spirit to be the church. We thank you, Lord, for the hope we have in you. Because without it, Lord, there is nothing. I pray your blessing, Lord, today over each one of us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you again for having us here, uh, Brother Dennis. And thank you, church, for having us here. I want you to know that God is doing powerful things in recovery and bringing people back to him. People that many thought were gone. And 30 over here today. we got 39 coming today, this afternoon, coming to our program. Pray us full. And uh, we've got more centers around the area that have empty beds that we can fill up. If you know someone who needs help, whether it be an adult man, an adult woman, or an adolescent person, we can help you. You want any one of those. So come talk to us after service. If you want to sponsor a student, we'll have uh, stuff over here at our table afterward. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much. And Brother Dennis, thank you folks for having us. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close the service to get this song forbidden. And I said free.
dinner. Dinner, dinner, dinner. Sunday dinner. spot and found it. Sweet. I have Dennis bringing me one, but um, I will take this one. Mama said to bring it to dinner. Okay. 
Everything I suppose. 